0: This week we look at the Dakar, the Bathurst 12 hour, the Monte Carlo Rally, I hope you'll stay with us. This week on Inside Motorsport we catch up with Richard Crowell from Speed Week on SBS and I guess we should start as we're talking SBS with the Dakar because that is certainly one of the most uh, prestigious international events of the year and there's a man called Mr. Dakar, Peter Stefan Hansel sorry, Stefan Peter Hansel and he has won it again. He is an absolute freak, Richard.
1: Yeah, g'day Craig, g'day everyone listening. Amazing record, isn't it? He's a bit like the... I don't know what you compare him to that Australians would get if I don't know the Dakar. Probably a, a Brock, isn't it? He just mm. sort of wins with relentless efficiency and it doesn't matter what he's driving he always seems to get up. I remember I sort of caught on to Dakar when he was with Mitsubishi and they had a factory team for many years and were very very successful and he sort of drove that forward and against some really strong competitors and I know this year guys like Robbie Gordon had a, a really good assault but, but couldn't quite get there and uh, in the past we've had guys like Carlos Sainz who was in the factory Volkswagens and Really great competition, but Peter Hensel always finds a way to uh,
0: get through and, and get the win. He's remarkable, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And uh, you said liking him to Brock. Well, he's 11-time champion of the Dakar, and whilst Brock won some amazing six and seven hour Arabathis, yeah. we're talking about a, a what, a 14-day, 15-day of uh, competitive stages, days of competitive stages. Of course, on the bike, Cyril Desprez, and this is interesting. He's a five-time winner on the two wheels. And uh, as you heard from Jacob Black last week when we spoke to him on the show, he was down the order. But uh, something I learned, and I don't know if you know about this as well, but they have the equivalent... of the domestics in cycling so that the lead rider like Cyril Desprez can just go out there and flog it along and not have to carry too many spare parts. And he's got some other guys cruising around with him that carry the spare parts. And of course, he was able to make up the time once he'd done the repair that he had lost uh, over the course of the last four stages to take the victory. So uh, it's an amazing event. And uh, of course, everyone uh, sort of talks about this event and, and remembers the days of Rally Australia.
1: Yeah they do and, and Rally Australia back in the day was always a tough rally and it was known as a car breaker and it was known as something that would test teams to the limit and drivers and, and the navigators and everyone and, and I think that's why Dakar has an appeal. It's probably still one of the more free sorts of motorsport. You know we live in an age where everything's so restricted and spec racing and look at all the pathway to Formula 1 outside of S3 everything's spec. It's all the same. Uh, And even, you know, one-make racing, Carrera Cups around the world, Audi or one-make Audi R8 Cup. um, I think Dakar still has that pioneering sort of motorsport spirit where to win, not only do you need to be a great driver, but you need to innovate and you need to have great machinery and you can push the limits of what it's capable of. It's a bit going back into the the early days of the sport where it was all driven by innovation and I I think that's what's fantastic about it. Um, I mean, far from production-based vehicles now, but... You know, they're um, they're really cool things, really quick, and, you know, every year they're innovating and in doing something different. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Tilda Prey. I mean, he's he's a legend of the Dakar as well, and, you know, I envy those guys on the bike. Well, I don't envy them, because I don't want to do it. It's terrifying, but, um, you know, the the amount of abuse that they would cop, just physical, and everything that they have to go through would be amplified by being on a bike on your own. You're in the middle of a desert, and you're in a car with your navigator. At least you've got someone to talk to if you break down, but Imagine being on a bike on your own, surrounded by a couple of hundred miles of nothing. That'd be uh, pretty soul-searching stuff, I would have thought.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, you mentioned Sebastian Loeb. He's won the Monte Carlo Rally. He's a, he's a guy that's been trying a lot of different things. Is he a guy that we might see at perhaps the Bathurst 12 Hour?
1: Well, I'm, I was sort of thinking Gold Coast 600 and the V8s, maybe, uh, assuming, of course, that event's future is assured. This year, that's a story for another day, I'm sure, but... Yeah, I mean, talk that he is he's now retired from a full-time World Rally competition with Citroen. He's got a, a part-time drive within this year, and Citroen going into the World Touring Car Championship next year to take on Honda in that championship, uh, which will be very, very interesting indeed. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. But there's talk that Loeb will be the lead driver. Nothing's been officially announced, but that's where it's moving. Of course, he's raced at the more 24 Hour and in endurance races and done all kinds of stuff. The guy can drive. And you don't win many World Rally Championships without having a massive amount of ability, no matter what the surface. And he's good everywhere. He's good on tarmac. He's good on dirt. He's good on just about everything. So um, it's going to be one of the really interesting things to watch and see if he can be one of the few guys in the sport that can transition from one discipline to another and be very, very successful. I cannot wait to see what he can do. As for the Monty, uh, really tough Monte Carlo running uh, almost whiteout conditions the whole event and he brained them again didn't he? But the interesting thing is the form of the Volkswagen on debut, again, really really good stuff, the Fords are still very competitive as well, going to be a great championship Craig, this, this is the most open WRC ever, there's still a realistic chance though that Lowe could win the thing, I think he's doing what, seven rallies <laughs> out of the that annual or fourth end?
0: Yes, wins them right.
1: all and all the others are so very evenly matched they keep taking points off There's no reason why he he couldn't win the championship.
0: Remarkable. It is indeed now, Richard. The uh, important event for Australians. It kicks off the real uh, prestige races in Australia. It's the Bathurst 12 Hour, and this year it has gone bigger and better than ever.
1: It has. Uh, It's going to be massive, and it'll be the biggest endurance race we've ever seen in Australia. I've got no doubt. Uh, and yes, I'm including the two 24-hour races that were held in the early 2000s because they didn't have the quality of field that got entered for this race. 52 cars on the list. I, I still expect that to change just a smidgen. There'll be a few cars drop out and a few that come in yet. Um, still last-minute plans being sorted. But it's um, it's going to be amazing. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic race, and it's the kind of race that, that racing purists Around Australia, I know are very, very excited about. They they love the diversity that it offers. They love the fact that in the same race we're going to have the latest and greatest factory-supported Audi R8 LMSs racing a Holden VXR Astra, within in the production car class. And I think that's why it has such a great appeal. It's like going back and having GT South in Southings dicing with, uh, well, I, I don't know, terrible small little cars at Bathurst in air past, or. So, you know, bro- rolling and Gemini at first. it goes back to those days with class racing, but,
0: you know, we've got a really diverse grid and some amazing cars as well. It is one race that has been building reasonably slowly because we've seen events go to the mountain and mm-hmm. fail after two years. But now it is it's, it's had its move, it's had its ups and downs, and it seems to be on a very steady growth pattern.
1: Yeah, the, the unfortunate thing with the twelve hour was that, that we got to a point where we had production cars looking very, very strong and and had fifty cars and that and was all wonderful. But production cars are a very domestic thing. You really can't uh, you really can't change where you're going to go with that and grow the event significantly. So the move had to be to go to GT cars and. Unfortunately, that came when the world's economy completely and utterly fell over. Now, GT cars aren't exactly the most uh, affordable cars in the world to run, so that probably gave it a setback, but as the event has gained credibility and it's gained notoriety, and I think we have Audi to thank for a lot of that uh, by jumping in as big as they have done over the last couple of years. um, Now it's got to a point where we've got 52 cars, we've got 30 GT cars, 15 outright cars, and 10 of those I think have got a realistic shot of winning the thing. So it's now a GT field equal to what you'd see at a Spa, Frank Champs or the Nürburgring. So it's going to be amazing. It's going to be really great. And the best thing is we still mix up with um, some of these fantastic, um, you know, V8 car drivers, international GT drivers. Mickey Salo is coming, amongst others, former winners are coming back. It's a very, very diverse and very interesting grid.
0: Now, for those listeners who heard Tony Quinn on the show a few weeks ago, how has the improvements in the GT, the Australian GT field, helped improve the 12-hour?
1: That's an interesting question. Um, I certainly think there's probably been a role to play in just stabilising GT racing in Australia. Uh, In the past, there's always been between GT and the 12 Hour. This year they've come together. There's a working relationship and understanding between the promoters of the 12 Hour and the promoters of Australian GT and Quinny's back involved, which I think had to happen. Um, I, I think there has been an improvement in maybe even just the the public face of it and and even internally amongst teams and drivers that that they're finally communicating and there's a relationship now i'm not too sure it's massively affected numbers i I think we probably still would have had this number of cars anyway but uh yeah i I think it's probably more of a perception thing than anything else
0: Mm. well tickets are on sale now so how can people get themselves ready for a big weekend up on the mountain
1: uh, via Ticketek, in fact, they're on sale, uh, get on board. The best one you want to buy is the grandstand seat. So you get your, your nice comfy seat on pitch straight at Mount Panorama. You can see the big screen and the track and you can still wander around uh, the circuit and get everywhere. Uh, the 12-hour, the I think, is unique, Craig, in that you can go just about anywhere on the circuit to watch. And there's not the the 65,000 you get to the Bacchus 1000, which makes it impossible to move around that place. So. It's a smaller crowd, but it gives you an opportunity to go right, practice session one, gonna to go to Reed Park and watch GT cars at walk speed, full aero, over the crest, progressing down. And then go practice two. I'm gonna to go to the exit of the chase and watch the cars fire through the kink at two hundred and eighty Ks an hour flat out. Or you can stand on pit straight or at McDermott and that's I think the appeal you can see so much more of really good racing cars at work. So yeah, I hope people listening, grab their tickets, head up for the weekend. Long-range was speaking to a local the other day and make of that what you will, but they said it's supposed to be pretty good weather for it. They're not expecting too much rain. I checked the weather today and apparently there's been flash flooding and storms in Bathurst. So I <laughs> don't know how much credibility we can place on that.
0: Richard, always a pleasure to catch up with you right throughout
1: 2013. Yeah, 2013 is going to be a big year, Craig, thanks. Inside Motorsport is
0: produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.